Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Giving you the real from A to Z. Surrounding the Dallas Cowboys. News, updates, rumors, transactions, takes, and more. So strap up, Cowboys Nation, and start your day off with A to Z Sports. Live with Will Steele. Three, two, one. Here we go. Here we go. Good morning, good people. Welcome to A to Z Sports Live. We're streaming live on YouTube. And of course, I am your host, Will Skywalker Steel. Boom! I'll bring it back. Yeah. We ain't gonna let you be down too, too long now. Now, we are still recovering, obviously, from this loss, and we'll continue to talk about that. Got a jam-packed show for you guys. After further review, after watching more of the wild card games, as they as those games finish up, this one particular thing bothered me the most about that game on Sunday. I want to talk about that. I also have a special guest coming up later on in the show actually uh, fairly soon here in the show to give us his thoughts on uh, many things Cowboys especially that game but but the season in general you will not want to miss that former Dallas Cowboy by the way uh really good dude man been, been real with me since day one so um we'll talk to him in a little bit here and and then after that we may get into some more film it won't be mine though but we'll get into some more film so we got a jam-packed show my apologies for being uh, late, I was prepping the, the rest of the show, also dealing with this damn sickness, this cold, whatever. I don't know if you were in Dallas or not, or, or hell, probably in Texas in general. It was 60-something degrees Saturday. You know, take the dogs on a walk. You know, nice, beautiful outside. Sunday morning, Saturday night, it gets down to like 13 degrees. That pretty much hit me. I've uh, been pushing through this thing since Sunday. So if you see me pause and have to remove the screen, I'm probably blowing my nose or something like that. But I will not let that get to me. I'm going to be here. We're going to give you all a really good show. I'm excited for this one. Really, really excited for this show. Uh, so make sure you all stick around for it. So I got snow in Philly. Yeah, it snowed here, but, you know, it don't really be snowing, snowing here. You know, it was a it was a small little thing. It's the it's the cold going from 60 something degrees to 13 degrees in a matter of 18 hours was kind of nuts, man. But it is what it is. Now, look, normally I would come on here during the week uh, of, of a regular season and we'd have some fun at the Eagles expense. The Eagles took an L last night. I mean, they got whooped, too. We both got whooped. So I, I maybe later on to deal with it, laugh so we don't cry type thing. Sure. Um, but there's some things I want to get to 
that far outweigh laughing at the Eagles because we can let you laugh at us too. But something in that game and the game prior and the game prior and the game, all the other games, something in that game stuck out and continued to stick out all weekend and going into Monday after the, 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 the Monday afternoon game, after the Monday night game. And there's a lot of things that, that bug me, but this sits right up there. Maybe if not one, maybe two, if not two, maybe three, but it's definitely up there for me, man. And it's, it's how flat the Cowboys came out, you know, like we brought it up yesterday, but I got to thinking Right, I, you know, watching these games, playing at home. Apologies for that. Watching these games and playing at home, I'm sitting here like, are we the only team that that came out flat like that? I, I think I tweeted it. Matter of fact, I tweeted out, I believe we're the only team to come out flat. So I said, you know what? Let me go take a look at this. Right, not just the energy, because clearly the energy was flat. The game plan was also not there. It didn't make any sense. And we'll get to that in a second. And the production, I mean, clearly the production wasn't there. The Cowboys didn't score till late. So I went and looked at all the home teams. Out the gate, the Cowboys were the only one to be slow. And slow is really being generous. They weren't even, they weren't even slow. They was sleep. Let's go down the list. The Texans at the crib with a rookie damn quarterback. Scored on two of their first three drives. The Chiefs scored a touchdown on their opening drive. By the way, the Texans are the only team to not score on their opening drive. But then they scored on the following two drives. The Chiefs scored on their opening drive, a touchdown. The Lions scored a touchdown on their first three drives. The Bills scored a touchdown on their opening drive. The Bucks scored on their first three drives. The Cowboys went scoreless until the end of the first half. Who do we what do we put that blame at? Because normally you would say what I said yesterday, and I think that's probably where it goes. We're like, Hey, you got to have your coaches got to have these dudes ready. How do you come out? You're the only home team to come out the gate so slow. So now I say, well, why? Right. Mondays for emotions. Granted, we're probably going to roll on some emotions for a few weeks. But and then the Tuesday is always the how, because I didn't. I was like, man, forget this game. So I said, well, what happened? Why? How? We come out like this. Number one, they just came out flat energy-wise. But if you get something going, maybe that picks up. So what was the plan coming out? Because when I go look at the other side of the ball, the Green Bay Packers came out in typical Matt LaFleur fashion. The Shanahan, the McVeigh, the McDaniel, the LaFleur, the Cow- that whole motion, at-snap action, misdirection, under-center play action, shotgun play action, move in the pocket. Tempo, split zone, toss zone. They established a multifaceted game, Cowboys Nation. 
They established that. I'm watching Love Under Center. I'm watching at snap motion, split zone, toss with a split zone, play action from under center, seven step drops under center. I mean, I'm seeing them establish how they want to play this game. I said, well, how did the Cowboys establish how they wanted to play this game? And it, it was exactly what I thought from the first emotional watch. I call it the emotional watch because you're not watching the film. You're not going back. It's just you're watching it at the broadcast very first time. I was like, this seems like we're not doing anything we usually do at home. So I said, well, how did the first 15, right? That's so important. We talked about how, at least I talked about it here, how you had to come out and make sure that LaFleur and them didn't get in a rhythm with their first 15. On the contrary, you need to come out and get in a rhythm. And at home, the Cowboys usually have done that. This is what the Cowboys did on their first, really two drives, but their first 15, right? Play number one. Stagnant shotgun, and they kill it to the run. Gets like five yards. Play number two. 13 personnel <laughs> run up the middle. First of all, stagnant shotgun spread out of like 11 personnel. The very next play, 13 personnel. Okay. They run up the middle, 13 personnel. What do we talk about when we're watching the film? Hey, spread the Packers out, run some zone. You can get on them. Instead, we run out of 13 personnel. Try to get Jake Ferguson up the A or B gap. Didn't work. Third down. Stagnant. Shotgun. Dak scrambles for a first down. So right now we're three plays in a row and we're really stagnant here. And two of the first three plays are in shotgun. Okay. All right. We got a first down, baby. Let's go. Fourth play. Stagnant. Shotgun pass. Nothing's open. We dump it off to... uh, Ferguson in the flat, he gets zero yards. All right, coach. What is the plan here? All right, here we go. Fifth play. Shotgun. Gap pull run that has not worked all year. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. We're going to get a shotgun. We're going to line up uh, Tony Pollard to the left of us. We're going to pull Tyler Smith. And we're going to run right behind it. No motion, no nothing. Sixth play, third down. Once again, stagnant shotgun. And we dropped the ball. In the game of your your football life's on the line, you come out stagnant, stagnant, stagnant. Stagnant. Shotgun, 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 shotgun. 13 personnel. What the? And the reason why I brought this up, uh, I was talking to Vach, I think, or, or the Illuminati chat, I can't remember what it was. And I'm watching the Bucks come out. Uh, first, your offensive coordinator, and there's all this motion going on. I'm watching the Bills come out, and they, they're doing all this stuff. Watching the, the, the Packers, and they're doing all this stuff. 
Like, man, these guys are establishing their first fifth. They're establishing how they want to play this game. And again, first watch, emotion. I'm not really, I don't really care about, I'm going to keep it a bean. Yesterday, again, was a lot of emotion. I really wasn't going back to watch much of anything. That pissed me off more, probably more than anything, because this is, this is, this is your, this is your season on the line. Well, Sky, how did we come out after that, right? Okay, we punted it. We got to stop. How did we come out after that? How did we come out after that? I wrote that down too. Next, the next drive, Cowboys Nation. First play of the game. Our first play of the drive. Backed up. We go 21 personnel. We bring in Luke Schoolmaker as a tight end. And we run, I can't remember if it was play action, some weak play action. But it was under center. We dropped back and we throw a bomb to, to Brandon Cooks. Again, broadcast view. I was like, why well, didn't go for it? But it didn't connect, right? But Luke Schoonmaker's in the game. The reason why I'm bringing up Luke Schoonmaker, it looked like Dak could have hit Luke Schoonmaker on the seam route. But he clearly wasn't looking for Luke Schoonmaker on the seam route. He wanted the one on one with uh, Brandon Cooks. But guess who he loves to look at through the seam route class? Write your answers down. Who does Dak love throwing the seam ball to? Especially backed up. Who has Dak hit on the seam route endless amount of times? On our side of the 50, really. Give you a hint here. He's the word. He's the word. Exactly. Ferg is the word. But you put Luke Schoolmaker in the game. Are you trying to trick these dudes or something? If you're going to put Luke Schoolmaker in the game, run the ball. If you're not going to run the ball, put Ferg in the game. Because guess where Dak's eyes are going? Right to Jake Ferguson. And he's going to connect on that seam shot. How many seam balls have you seen Luke Schoolmaker catch? This year that wasn't in the red zone because it was one. He dropped one touchdown. He caught the other one. But if it wasn't in the red zone, Luke wasn't getting that. Come back now. What happens next play? Interception. So that's how the Cowboys came out of this game. Stagnant shotgun. 13 personnel. Stagnant shotgun. Stagnant shotgun. Shotgun gap pull run hasn't worked all year. Stagnant shotgun third down drop. 21 personnel with Ferguson out the game for what? I have no idea. Interception. Meanwhile, the rest of the league literally comes out hot. That cannot happen. And I'm not I'm no longer speaking on emotion. But that is the main reason why first of all, McCarthy has to go. Wh whatever you want to call it, he, that is the main reason why he has to go. You cannot come out in a playoff game like this at home and be the only team, first of all, not just the only team to lose, but the only team to come out there and look completely lost. You did not just lose. You look completely lost. 
at home. How does that happen? I saw the Steelers come out with more fight than you. On the road without their best player. And, and, and Duckworth or whatever his name is. It ain't Duckworth no more. The reindeer, the Rudolph. How? How are we in our meeting room and we come out and we're watching the film of the pack? I'm just, I, I'm just the A to Z sport. Now, listen, I cover the Cowboys as a profession. That's why I don't really say I'm a YouTuber unless I'm being jokey jokey. This is my actual career now, right? But I'm not a coach. And now, and me and Okoye break this thing down every every week. We break down what we think, and it feels like, and not trying to pat ourselves on the back. It feels like, know what the hell we're saying here? But how do you look at the film and you come out and say, "We're not going to test the middle of the field. We're not going to move these guys off. We're going to be stagnant, no motion, no get under center play action." What do we say works against this team when you run zone? What do we say does not work, or at least what I said when I broke down their defense? You can't condense it. We come out on the second play and we condense it and try to run up the middle. So that probably pissed me off the most. Then after that, you got the, just the individual play. You got the coaches. You got, you know what I mean? You, you, you got the rest of it for sure. But that sets the tone, right? Like if you, if you came out with more energy than that, with a better plan than that, maybe just maybe this thing is different. And, and that is what shocked me the most, y'all. That is what shocked me the most, is that the Cowboys came out the way they came out at home with their playoff lives on the line. Can't believe it, man. Can't believe it. With that said, it's time to bring in our special guest, Cowboys Nation. You guys are going to really, really enjoy this one, man. Really, really going to enjoy this one. Let's go ahead and bring in former Dallas Cowboy player, former Dallas Cowboy coach, and current coach of the Southwest High School football program in Fort Worth, my guy, Philip Tanner. What's good, PT? Man, what's going on, man? Good morning, good morning. Good morning, fam. Look. I remember I first interviewed you like three or four years ago, and and you just been a real one to me since then, man. So I appreciate you taking some time out your morning to uh, join me, man. Man, most definitely, the feeling is mutual. Yeah, but but there's another feeling right now that's just probably mutual. <laughs> that ain't a good one, man. <laughs> and and it's that it's the Cowboys and that loss, PT. And I'm going to jump straight into it, man. I'm going to jump straight into it. I, the pleasantries are out the way. And, and you were on Twitter, and you were saying some really, really good things on Twitter. And I said, you know what? I think the nation needs to get an inside perspective on what goes on in a, in a coach and a player, a former NFL player's head during a time like this. And, PT, I just went on a rant of how the Cowboys came out, and, and I talked about the first 15. And you said this on Twitter, and I thought this was, this was prominent. You said, losing that game isn't my biggest issue. Much respect to the well-coached team and an up-and-rising QB. It's the how we lost, the zero energy and zero answers. We weren't prepared to play. Can you elaborate on that? And then can you explain what goes into that first 15 and what you're trying to establish because you've been in those meeting rooms? Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, most definitely. Uh, like I said, the biggest thing is is, is how how we lost that ball game. Yeah. Uh, NFL teams uh, never be the same. No one season is the same. So you got to that, that that window opens and it closes extremely fast. Uh, and we talk about all the time. This is our year. This is our year. And the role was just set up for it. The window was open for us, and we just had to jump through it. And, and we sat there and we watched it close. Uh, we came out the whole the whole year is oh who are we gonna play first round? Is it gonna be this and that? We draw Green Bay. Everybody's excited. Cool. On paper, we supposed to go out and win that ball game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to go into it knowing we still got to get a monkey off our back, and that and that was the disappointing part to me. Like. Green Bay has had an answer no matter who's the coach, no matter who's the quarterback. Like I said, I was up 28-0, and Matt Flynn came back. Matt Flynn At home. You know, so so Green Bay is that pretty much that juggernaut to us from the dead caught it, didn't catch it. You know, so all of those things is this is our opportunity not only to go deep in the playoff, but show Green Bay like, nah, AT&T is our home. And I feel we didn't come out with that enthusiasm at all. Like I feel we were very unprepared. We had zero answers. We know every time Green Bay plays, Aaron Jones is going to have a contract game. Yeah. <laughs> that's just that's just what it's been. And without accountability, history repeats itself. So we never went into that game saying, oh, we're just going to go sell out and stop the run. And they showed that just by the personnel packages that we played on defense. Uh, I'll respect Dan Quinn. He does some exotic things, but I think he got too exotic. Dropping Michael Parson on, on third and eight, you know, so it's, it's things like that. But regardless of schematics and play calling, the energy that we came out with was, was, was average at best. Uh, the look in the Dak eyes, the look in C.D. Lamb eyes. There was not one player on that sideline that said, let's get this together. Not one player yeah. uh, from the special teams, from offense, defense. There was zero energy from coaching staff or anything. So that's why I say we was uh, dazed. Like, how do you go into a first-round playoff game at home when – we we know we win. We get one more at home, and we come out with that energy. Yeah, it, it, it was you played with with an eighty eight that I don't think would have let that happen in in Des Bryant. Uh, can you can you kind of give some examples of of how Des yeah, might yeah, have yeah. been there? No doubt, no doubt. You, you, Des would have been that spark of energy that we needed. But on the other hand, we also had a guy under the hump with nine that. Yeah had that relationship with 88. So when 88 spazzed out, he was able to, okay, cool. As a play caller, as a as a quarterback, as a leader of the team, he was able to, okay, cool, let me get my guy involved early, you know, so he can get settled. I never felt we gave CD any layups. We never gave Dak any layups. And it went to the point of CD getting in Dak's ear. And you can just tell from the game, CD was in Dak's ear, so Dak was like, okay, cool, felt pressed. Let me get him involved. Let me force him to football. And forcing your number one to football is cool, but you got to be smart about it. Mm-hmm. And I think it was very, it was very uh, erratic. You know, it was all over the place of how I'm going to get him to football. And times he was open, he missed them. You know, missed on a couple of throws. But at the same time, it was no chemistry where if Dak wasn't perfect, CD made him perfect. And those were the things that the 88 I played with could get us out of things. 
you know, if it wasn't, if, if nine wasn't perfect, 88 was able to get us out of that. You know, and just his energy of going down to the defense, of talking to defensive guys, talking to special teams guys, Dez was always so passionate about what he did on the sideline. He wasn't just going to sit and not say anything, you know. And, and you hear the commentators talk about CD. Oh, well, he's good. He's not the diva, the not the diva wide receiver. He's not going to speak about this. At times, you need that because we dealt with that with nineteen. Yeah. Nineteen, the uh, Cook was the same way. You know, but it, it, it's, a, it's a path of aggressiveness. Those guys still are, are upset, but Dad just showed in. Dad's energy and passion is what uh, got guys going. And it got to the point where we're not going to let 88 down, you know. So so that, that's the thing that I didn't see from a CD. I didn't see from a Dak. I didn't see from anybody. I didn't see any, like, player-led meetings on the sideline. Maybe I missed it, but I've never <laughs> no. seen that. I've never seen it at a timeout where – any one player grabbed everybody together and said, fellas, we at home, undefeated here against a team that everybody say we can't beat. Uh, I, I just ne- ne- never seen any of that from any player, from a Zach Martin, from a Tyron Smith, from any of those veteran guys, none of it. You know, so that's why I go to say we just – we have zero answers. We look and say, okay, cool, we got hit in the mouth. Let's just go ahead and lay it down, or we're just going to go spitball. And there was no, like, okay, cool, the run, we're not stopping the run game. We're not developing the run. What, what are we going to go to? We never had a, this is what we're going to go to. This is our get-out-of-jail-free yep. card. We never showed that. You you talked about it uh, on, you just said it, and you talked about it on Twitter. When four or when Dak is off, right, like, what is the insurance? What is the layup? You said this on Twitter. As far as Mike McCarthy, I'm not upset that we went 17 weeks without establishing a run. No big, he said. Not, I'm not. I'm most upset. I'm sorry that we went 17 weeks without establishing a run. No big sets, heavy packages. Never got Rico going. I saw zero effort in establishing a physical run game that could help Dak when he was off. Had no layups or insurances. And all season long on this show and and, and the chat will attest to this. I've been saying this team is an unserious running team that's going to go as far as four and the perimeter takes it. But you need an efficient plan you need to have some easy buttons if four is off and Dak was off right like Dak did not come out in that yeah. game he had the big eyes he wasn't feeling it but where was the the layups where was the run game I am very curious on your thoughts about the Cowboys all year you said 17 weeks you're absolutely right all year this has been a four a 88 87 three this on you we just handing the ball off to hit a number that that can't seem to be a logical plan if you're trying to win four in a row in the postseason. No, it can't. Uh, and it's a saying in the league is things don't catch up with you until it catch up with you. Uh, we 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 saw it in Philly. You know they played bad ball and they were just able to sneak out wins at ten and one. But ball and come into December through January football, if you can't efficiently run the football, you're not going to win games. Especially if you don't have a quarterback that can do it on his legs either. You know, uh, so as far as the run game, it was never even tried to be established. And when I say run game, okay, cool, let's throw the quick screens to, to nine, see see what he can get us. Yeah. You know, and, and th- th- those are the layups I talk about. You know, how can we throw it out real quick, quick game, and get layups? Or can we turn around and hand the ball to a Rico? Can we get in big sets, fullbacks, and, and, and block and, and try to get a quick three or four just to – allow Dak to breathe. You know, if if four got to come out every every series and be perfect, man, it's not going to work for us. 
Mahomes don't do that. And when and Pat Mahomes said, turn around, hand it to Pacheco, and, and, and he's going to allow Pat to breathe. Yeah. You know, so we never gave Dak any room to breathe, just to settle. You know, it was any, there was no series that he could just settle in. It was always, okay, cool, I'm, I'm chasing it, I'm chasing this, I'm chasing this, I'm chasing this. But throughout the season, it was chasing numbers, yeah. chasing numbers, big plays, big plays, big plays. It's not too many times we just methodically drove the ball. You know, we were, we're, we're big play offense. Big play, and, and, and that's cute, that's fine until somebody's going to play, play everything over top, and we have to methodically drive the football, and we showed that we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. Yeah, it seemed like those easy buttons slowly evaporated, man. Um, I, I'm big on having a run plan. I don't necessarily think you need to, in this day and age, you need to have an 1,800-yard rusher, but you still need to have an efficient uh, run plan. And and I just didn't see that. Do, do you think TP and Rico and these guys are better suited for zone? Because I, I was looking all year, like, if we had some type of zone run game, I feel like these guys would be able to complement that or complement this passing game, but they didn't even attempt that in this Green Bay game. Yeah, I mean, that, that, the type of team, uh, for one, I think T.P. and Rico are two different guys. I think yeah. Rico is more of a Zico Elliott type back, you know, so Zico uh, with, with Rico, he's going to be more of your duo, more of your okay. duo downhill, more of your power guy. And then T.P. is, like I said, more, more, more of your zone guy, but also with the zone, it opens up your, your RPO game. You know, and they're all, oh, they want to see Dak with his feet. Dak is not the runner we want him to be, but I think he can run well enough to give you five or six, you know, uh, just to stay ahead of the chains. And I think that's, that we, we didn't capitalize on that. I feel with our efficient run game, our run game should have been good enough just to keep Dak ahead of the chains. You know, we can't go into the second and tens, you know, the third and sevens. You know, well, that, 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 that's behind the chains. And, that, and that's forcing Dak to say, okay, cool, I got to go make this play. I got to get this ball here. I got to get that. So, but like you said, Rico was never. Rico will come in, he'll hit, we'll pull him out. You know, we'll, we'll go through TP with this. And then it got to a point in the, a point in the season where we just said, forget it. Yeah. We're not giving each one of them the football. <laughs> we're not giving anybody the football. We're going to come out, we're going to throw it around the grass 50, 60 times. Um, and, and fine, that's cool. But when it comes to playoff football, man, you got to be able to methodically drive the football, and that's just being complementary to your defense. You know, we got to be complementary to our defense. If our defense is out there for long drive, even if we come out and hit a big play for a touchdown, guess what? Our they defense got to go right back on the grass. Yeah. You know, so so that's where the run game comes from. Run game comes from just a a clock management and game management perspective. And being able to efficiently manage games from a clock perspective, and then just complementing our defense. I'm going to come back to the offensive side uh, at the end here, but I want to I want to flip it over right now to defense and special teams. And for us here, we've been scratching our heads, uh, PT, about Dan Quinn's stubbornness to to run yeah. <laughs> this big nickel, you know, safeties at linebacker thing against these big personnel packages, and he just never deterred from it, brother. And, and and you said, as a D.C., it's your top priority to make an offense play left-handed, and you were referring to Aaron Jones, and, and that's very true with Aaron Jones, but just in general, it, it just seemed like Dan Quinn would never come out of these things that continue to crush the Cowboys against quality coordinators and teams. But, you know, if you're a running back and you go into that film room, 
right? And you say, hold on, they got what? A 205-pound linebacker in the middle? What? They're running small? They're going big nickel? What's going through your head when you're preparing for a team like that? Oh, he's he's, he's going to have a long night, you know, and, and, and I'm sure that's what, what, every, what every offense thinks is he's going to have a long night. 14 to make his plays, but at the same time, we're going to bet throughout a four-quarter game, we're going to get ours more than 14 is going to get here. And, and, and that's what, and that's how offense is going to it. Like, okay, cool. This is the defense that he want to play in. Cool. This is what we're going to do. And if 14 is 205 on paper, the kid's probably 200, 195 pounds in real life. You know, so so we, we, we plan with this guy. We plan with the big nickel package. And it may work at times, but it's nothing that you can work with consistently. And like you said, the stubbornness of Dan Quinn, of this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to stick with it. I look at other guys like a Belichick. You know, it's so – teams used to – and reporters and players always talk about it's so hard going against a Belichick defense because it's so different week to week to week. And with it being different week to week, he's scheming to try to make the offense play left-handed. You know, mm-hmm. and you can just see when, when the Pacers was rolling with the defense, they was making guys play left-handed week after week after week. With us, I, I don't see us saying, okay, cool. It's, you can go into a game saying, oh, we're going to stop the run. We're going to stop the run. We're going to stop the run. But if you're playing a team that want to throw it all over the grass, stopping the run is irrelevant. <laughs> you, yeah. know? you know? So, so you, got, you got to understand, what do this team want to do? What, is, what do they bank on? What is their bread and butter? So we're going into, like I said, we're going into a Green Bay game where an uh, up and rising quarterback, young quarterback, not many guys on the edge that's just going to kill us in the passing game. So, okay, cool. They're going to play through Aaron Jones. How can we go in here and stop this? How can we be physical enough? Uh, do we even have the guys in the locker room? And, and whose decision was that? You know, is the guys in the locker room we need or the personnel that we have, do we even have that in the locker room? But I think some things with DQ is, is he gets exotic, you know, and I think it was, okay, let's play 11 everywhere. All right, but at some point, 11 got to put his feet in the dirt and say, this is who I am, this is what I'm going to do. If not, he's just going to be a, a guy that you uh, spin around. If he's not getting sacks, then he's not productive. Yeah, you talked about that on Twitter. You, you said, what what is he? And, and that's kind of what we've been talking about uh, on Micah for the last three years. A lot of us believe he can be a dominant linebacker that can rush the passer. A lot of people believe keep him at defensive end. I personally, you know, I don't think he's built to to take the punishment at defensive end full time. And I think personally, it's easier to take him out of the game that way, especially when yeah. teams are running at you. One one thing that you know frustrates me is that you knew Aaron Jones. You said it, Aaron Jones. They're going to run the ball with Aaron Jones. You don't have the true linebackers to deal with it, but you do have a guy in Micah who can get downhill. Now I understand repetition is important, right? But when you're getting smacked in the mouth like that. Don't you think you got to throw something at the wall and see if it, it works? And I think putting Micah back there would have, would have helped, but I don't know that would have mattered, but it, it's something. But you're right. I, I feel like Micah is going to have to – a coach, let me say this, a coach is going to have to figure out what they want to do with Micah and, and and move forward from there. Yeah, like you said, uh, throughout that game, we had zero, zero, zero answers on defense. Uh, offensively, too, which is zero answers. Uh, having busts on the defensive end on the side, like wide-open receivers – that just shows that we're unprepared. We don't have answers. We didn't adjust well at all. But as far as 11, I personally think that he's a linebacker. I also personally think I don't think he's ready to play linebacker either because of the time on task. Mm-hmm. So he'll have his growing pains. 
but I think he's a linebacker that you move him around, you know, you, you blitz him, you know, and you allow him to play. Uh, he, he's, he's okay in coverage. He, he's better than a, a Jalen Smith in coverage, but he also can bang like a Jalen Smith as well. He can set the edge, you know, and things like those are things that Michael Parsons can do. I don't think he's a true defensive end because when he played against the top-tier tackles, it, it, it showed that he may not be fit to do this week after week. You know, so when you I look at the, the San Fran game, games that we played just physically dominant teams, what did he do at the defensive end spot? How is he holding up? Uh, he's not a D-law in the run game. You know, I'd probably say that's probably about our most valuable player on defense. Everybody that jumped for Bland, that's cool uh, because of the interceptions affected. All right. However, I think D-law was probably our most valuable player on the defensive side of the football. Uh, but you, you, you train Parsons to be a stand-up backer and allow him to, to, to play around and play sideline and sideline yeah. and run and tackle the football. Uh, but like I said, he'll, he'll have his growing pain. But I think overall, you know, in the long term, I think that's a position that would be most suitable for him outside of just a rush to pass or, you know, or a sack or nothing. Yeah, I think whoever comes in here as defensive coordinator, that's the first question that the Joneses should be asking. Like, how, how, what is your intentions on using Michael Parsons? Uh, guys, we got Philip Tanner, former Dallas Cowboys player and coach, joining us on the show. See, CPT, I don't think they know, if you don't know, that you were a coach here in Dallas. You were a coach, yeah, yes, a special teams assistant here uh, for how many years? A couple years? Uh, two years. Two, yeah, years. two years. Two years. And you have a, an immense respect for that side of the ball, right? And Bones Fossil is... Look, he's yeah, one of the yeah. best. He's one of the best uh, special teams coaches in the National Football League. But he, yeah, he quietly had some head scratchers. You said this on Twitter. He said, hey, hey I ain't forgetting about you, Bones. I'm, I've been a fan of yours for years. However, this is the first season I feel you got out coached and they looked unprepared. Can, can you kind of elaborate on the specifics, especially going inside of a special team coach's mind? What were some of those things that you looked at and said, man, this isn't right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I said, I had the utmost respect from Bones from when I played against Bones as a player and then also when I coached against Bones as a coach. Uh, Bones does some exotic things, does some, he, some very innovative things. But I think uh, Bones kind of just went too far this year. And, again, much respect to Green Bay because they got one of the greatest on their side, too, in Rich Passaccia, you know, and, as, and, I, and, I, and I love him like How about father. that, T.T., so, former Cowboys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Rich was on the other side. Yeah. You know, Rich is one of the best to ever do it as well. Uh, but just things like Bones would do, having a defensive end at Gunner, you know, or having, you know, Tober at, to Tober at the corner on punt. We gave, I think he gave a, what, two fake punts this year. You know, though, uh, just little things like that and just his how exotic he wanted to get. And I think he just, you know, uh, got the big head. You know, got the big head and he was just giving up plays and just, the players just undisciplined. Uh, the Sam Williams play, which is a pivotal play in the game. Uh, yes. Did he do it? Did the player flop? Uh, more than likely, yeah. But in those positions, don't even put yourself in that position. A true gunner knows not to even put himself in that position. Exactly. However, we got a, a defensive end that's just thrown out there doing that. He's, he doesn't specialize in that. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, ne never – we always say in the coach, we're never major in the minors. <laughs> you know, that's just not what Sam Williams does. So we're expecting him week in, week out to go out there and do something that he don't do. Uh, so that that's the thing with Bones. We just 
uh, and he got away from who he was. Bone yeah. was an aggressive guy. He's going to fake a pun. He's going to do this. But throughout the year, you start seeing him scratching his head like like he didn't have an answer. Yeah. We was giving up fake punts week after week after week. Teams were, when we was playing, teams were afraid to take to fake punts on Bones. There was no way he was going to get it. There was no way he was going to get it. We're not going to play him aggressive because we know we're going to fake it. I don't think we ever got Turpin in the return game, the reverses and exotic returns. We never got that out of a Turpin. Uh, we never utilized him the way we can use him in a special team game. Or and, and I don't know if it had anything to do with us losing our special team ace. It could be losing CJ. I would just you know, about to ask losing, you about that. Yeah, yeah, losing CJ early is, is definitely something that, that throws a wrench into things. But, again, that goes back to the where are our answers. How do we adjust? All right, we lost our special teams ace. How do we compensate? How do we still be productive and efficient without our guy? Yeah, CJ, one of my favorite kind of under-the-radar players on this team and just just goes about his business as one of the best special teams guys. I believe you coached him, right? Weren't you there? Yeah, 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 I did, yeah. Coach, I, mean, what, I actually brought CJ in to coach CJ. Still keep in touch with him uh, to this day. Yeah, he, he good peoples, man. I had him on the show. Probably the funniest dude I ever interviewed. My man is hilarious. But what – what makes CJ such a a vital role to, to special teams? And because I think he was missed here. Because Sam Williams led the league in in, in uh, special teams penalties, which is unbelievable that you kept running him out there. But yeah. what makes CJ Goodwin so valuable? Outside of he can he can fly. Outside of, outside of his <laughs> speed, is 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 just his mentality. Uh, great special teams guys have the mentality of I embrace special teams. It's not a I'm playing special teams to earn a spot on defense or I'm only playing special teams to earn a spot on offense. You know, so some guys look at special teams as always temporary. I do it well enough until I get a spot on offense or defense, then to hell with special teams. CJ embraces it. No matter how much he plays on defense or whatever the case may be, he embraces that special teams role, and he's such a flexible player. He can do so much. You know, he can catch the ball. You know, he can fly. He can cover. You know, those all the all of the traits that you need. He can guy that can go down, he can tackle. He's a big enough body. He can do so many things. Just his position flex on a special team level, and then his leadership, you know, and his consistency yeah. doing the year in and year out, year in and year out. I remember his first year we flying down, then gets washed and goes down there, makes a tackle, breaks his arm. You know, comes back that same year and gets out there and still going down making tackles. So he's one of those guys that you got to circle on your scouting team report. You know, there's a couple of guys I play where you remind me of a, a Danny McCray I played with. Mm. You know, a guy that just relentless effort on special teams and position flex can play all the big four. Dwayne Harris. Dwayne Harris is the best Harris, to do it. man. You know, yeah, yeah, Dwayne was the best to do it. So when you lose one of those guys, a big special teams ace, how do you build? And I've never seen Bones adjust to, okay, cool, who is that? Same way an offense got to be built around a player. The defense got to be built around a player. So does special teams. A lot of people say, for granted, your special teams got to be built around who's our dude that we're going to build our special teams around. And once CJ went down, I didn't see the adjustments of, okay, who are we going to build uh, the special teams unit around? Man, great insight right there because I, I can't remember exactly when he went out and if that coincided with Sam, but you felt it. I think you felt his, his absence there, man. Got Philip Tanner on the line, man. Yep. Last question for you here, PT. Uh, to circle back to to the offensive side of the ball, you know, one of the things that I've said here a bunch when it comes to Dak is that given the climate, coaching climate that always seems to be here 
in Dallas, right? Like we don't have the the McFade type of tree. We've we've got, you know, Garrett and 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 whether it be Garrett, whether it be Linehan, whether it be you know uh, McCarthy or previously it was Kellen Moore. None of, none of those guys are come from that kind of creative type of tree, right? There's yeah, going to yeah. be times where I feel like he's going to have to overcome the coaching, unfortunately, and put on a cape. Is it fair? Probably not. But it's it's something that he's going to probably have to do three or, or four times in the playoffs. Or not three or four times, but a handful of times in the playoffs. But it's how these things – it's just how things are structured here, man. It's the reality here in Dallas. And you have an issue with how those things are structured when it comes to that. Can you kind of elaborate on that? Yeah, and, and, and me personally, uh, I don't think Dak is an elite quarterback, all right? To explain that, all right, my elites are – it's only a few, maybe two Daniel. to three right now that I would for sure say is elite. Pat Mahomes, uh, Joe Burrow, uh, elite quarterback. If we count Aaron Rodgers, since he's still, still technically in the league, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, and then I think – just watching Josh Allen, he's on the brink, all right, of those tiers that guys that can go out and put the cape on. I personally don't think Dak can put the cape on and say, okay, cool, I'm going to go win this football game, all right? So let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, he's a guy that got to have the pieces around him. He's not athletically enough to be able to create and do what – you see the big run with Josh Allen last night. He's yeah. not athletic enough – He's not athletic enough to do that. However, he's athletic enough to give you what you need with the pieces around him, all right? So when I look at Dak and how we got to structure things around him with a great defense and just allowing him to make the plays on offense, I look at Ben Roethlisberger. Ben mm. Roethlisberger wasn't an elite quarterback by no means, but he could go out and get to this first Super Bowl. He had terrible numbers. Super Bowl win now yeah. with terrible numbers. You know, very average numbers the first time you go out and win the Super Bowl. So with Dak, he has to be in a position where, like I said, he got to have insurance. You know, he got to have a guy that he can throw it to at five yards and can take it to the house and have those big plays. It doesn't have to always be air yards that Dak has to throw the football. And I think that's when he starts to get when he starts to get frustrated. Uh, he's a quarterback that's great for this system. He's he's not the problem. If it's a, if anybody needs to stay for, and we build around four, but we got to truly build around him. Truly build around four, and also when I say build around, that comes from the coaching side too. Putting coaches in his pocket that's going to adjust to Dak, not make Dak adjust to them. If you look at it, every coach that came in, Dak had to adjust to them. You know, it wasn't, okay, cool, What we're going to figure out what he does best, and we're going to play through Dak. We're going to play Dak football. You know, uh, from well, he had, what, four or five different play callers since he's been in? You know, if we go yeah. through Lenahan, the J.G. Kellen and McCarthy, J- yeah. Yeah, and, and, and we can also throw J.G. in there too now. If we're we're going to be honest about this. You know, so we still had J.G. So we got J.G., Kellen, Linehan, uh Let's not forget Nuffmeyer now, Doug in there. So you got all these different voices in your quarterback head and all these different adjustments. Every year, all that got to do it. From John Kitna, he had so many adjustments that he had to, to make. Who's going to come in and say, okay, cool, this is Dak. This is what he can do. This is what he can't do. And just social awareness, being honest, this is what our quarterback can't do. And if he can't do that, that's fine. The, the, the experiment at this point in his career is over. 
you know, let's figure out what Ford does well, and we're going to build on that and build around that and go out and play efficient football. Yeah, I think the frustrating part about it this year is they seem like they found what really worked, but then when it when it came time in certain games, they didn't go to that well, specifically in right. this game. I talked about the opening drive. I, I don't know if you watched all the, the wild card games, and I'm just watching, you know, the Bobby Slowicks, the Matt LaFleurs, the uh, coordinator in, in Buffalo, even the coordinator in Tampa, right? These guys are are establishing rhythm early. You got movement, you got motion, you got creativity. And then I go look at our opening drive, uh, PT, and, and we're stagnant, right? There's no motion. We're, we're running out of shotgun. We're It's like, why aren't we doing the things that were highly successful that put Dak in the all-pro you know, feel, put him in an MVP candidacy. And that's what frustrated me the most. You seem to have found what worked, but then we went away from it. And now, I right, Dak, we need you to put the cape on. And unfortunately, like I said, it may not be fair, but that's how a lot of people are going to view it. Like, you, you got to get us, get up, up out of this. And I don't, I just, I said this for years, much as I love the guy, I'm not trying to have him do that all the damn time. If it's going to happen a few times in the regular season, but it ain't happening three or right. four times in the postseason. Won't, won't happen. Just won't happen. Yeah. Yeah, and what you said, man, it goes back to one word, <clears throat> identity. What is our identity? You know, what is our identity on defense? What is our identity on offense? And when you see teams get out there and it's, oh, they were doing this well, but then they get away from it. You're, you never get away from your identity. So I, I, I question, did we truly establish our identity and were we uh, confirmed and convicted in who we are, what our identity is, what we're going to do. Win, win, lose, or draw. You know, what is our identity? What do we hang our hat on? And that game yesterday, we, I mean, uh, whenever we played, I, I, I don't put it out of my mind. Whenever we played, <laughs> man, this, we just had no identity, no answers. And that's, that, that's coaching. You know, I feel as a coach, we weren't prepared to play. People say, oh, it's pros. They supposed to know this, man, from coaching in the NFL. Those those guys want to be coached just like a kid in middle school or elementary. So it's up to coaches to go out there and prepare and have that team ready to play, and I just don't think we were ready to play at all. It definitely felt that way. Man, PT, this has been a, a treat. I'm definitely going to go back and listen to this myself, but I, I truly appreciate you, man, giving me some of your time, giving us some of your time this morning. And uh, if there's anything that you want us to go check out or, or plug, feel free, brother. Most definitely, most definitely, man. Appreciate you having me on. Yep. Have a good one, brother. All right, yep. That is Philip Tanner, former Dallas Cowboy, former player, former coach, came on here to bless us, man, with with fantastic stuff right there. I, again, like I said, I'm going to go back. I'm going to take a listen and and get smart, get inside of a, a former NFL player's head who coached here in Dallas and he's one of the guys I kind of lean on when I need to get some insight uh whether it be something behind the scenes in the locker room with the with the front office because he has a unique perspective a very very interesting unique perspective because he was not only a player right so he's in it at, he's in the meetings as a player he's obviously on the field as a player here in Dallas but he was in the meetings as a coach he was on the sidelines as a coach. He was talking to the scouts and, and, and preparing as a coach. And that, that type of stuff is, is very valuable. And when I saw him on Twitter and given his, his input on things, I said, I, I've got to get him on here so he can speak to the nation, man. So 
Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that interview. Try to get a, a, get a, as many quality things as possible out of our guy PT. I uh, hope you enjoyed the PTT, the Philip Tanner thoughts. All right, so here's what we're going to do. How many we got on there? We got film from another former player. We're going to hit. And then we'll take a few calls. I need to check and see something real quick. And then we'll wrap up. I told you I got a jam-packed show for y'all. So we're going to take a quick little break. We're going to come on right back. And we go. Actually, it's kind of a double break. You know, because the, the, the film or the, the, the that we're going to watch is actually pretty long. So we're going to kick back, listen, watch. It'll give you a little break. And then we'll come on back on the phones. You're listening to A to Z Sports. Do it live! At some point, hoping to broadcast in front of the millions of Cowboys fans to bring you the real. But for now, strap up and here's your host, Skywalker Steel. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. We'll do it live. You know what? Before we do that, my guy... Toxic Tom been on hold for a minute, man. Let me pull in Toxic, bro. Let's get Toxic. What's good with you, Toxic? My bad, man. I I, I want to keep you on hold for another 15 more minutes. Let's go ahead and get you up here. What's good with you? Good morning, Sky. No need to apologize. I'm a patient guy. It's your show. You just let me be on it sometimes, but I appreciate it. And no uh, problem, thanks for the great interview with a former Cowboy and Coach Tanner. Remember him when he was here, too. So, uh Really good insight yeah. on uh, PT was a hard run. Sounded like an actual coach. Sounded like an actual coach. It's incredible. Um, so <laughs> you know, didn't my, get a chance before go you go on. I, I'm so let down, man, because I really thought you know we had a pretty good coaching trio, you know, and then we get to the playoffs and they all had some gaffes, and it's just like, come on, man. I, I have faith, but anyway, go ahead, brother. You know. After I watched that game, I just listened to Johnny Cash hurt because I just sat there and just looked at a wall, and I just, yeah, you know, it's just one of those days where you didn't know what quite to say, but you're just like, I don't know how to even process what I just watched. And I didn't get a chance to call in yesterday, and I just let it boil a little bit, and I, my phone lit up like a Christmas tree. Of course, everyone and their mother was calling me. My grandma called me and asked me, am I'm okay? She knows I'm a huge Cowboys fan because she and she's a Steelers fan. By yeah, the way, my, but, my brother-in-law always and my father always texting my wife like, "Hey, hey, how how's Will doing? Is he cool?" Like, I'm fine. God dang it. Yeah, yeah, I'm beyond the stage of never was the destroy property guy, but I I would love to destroy some other people's property, mainly some uh, people on the coaching staff. But my big takeaway from that game is uh, what the fuck? Like, I hate to say, it, like, what were you? I just want to know going into that game what the plan was. Was your game plan just to post the pictures of all your unit pictures together around the locker room? Because, hey, we won. We got our NFC East championship hats on. This is great. I want to know what that fat bastard cottage cheese ass Michael McCarthy was thinking about (laughs) doing. Why would you not do what worked all damn year? and then run out with the ghost of Jason Garrett out there. That game plan looked like it was 1995. It was stale. It was not creative. You didn't use motion. You did nothing 
that worked in the entire game. And all I saw was his face on that camera, that puzzled look of, yeah, I'm about to get fired. I'm just not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit here. It's not fight or flight. It's freeze. I'm just going to stand here and just look clueless. Like, how does all, how do they all have that? You look over 7 nothing. Mike is looking like he's defeated. Then you look at Dak, and he's looking like, yo, uh, man, this ain't where. You look at CeeDee Lamb. He getting pushed. I don't know if y'all saw. I posted on Twitter. Everybody went crazy. But, you know, it's just a replay of CeeDee Lamb getting pushed, and he don't even care. It's like, how how is our, you know, three extremely important people in this game just kind of like, Oh man, I don't know. I don't know what's going. I don't know what to do. Like, come on, man. That 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 can't happen. No, and I hear people, and of course, people will point at specific players. But to me, now I only played in high school, and I wasn't very good. But I don't need to be a professional football player to see if units are looking bad, not players. Units. Units. It's way bigger than one person. The whole way that's bigger. A great, that's a great point that I never even brought up as we're talking about coaches, but you had a special teams gaffe with Sam Williams. Uh you have the defense. I mean, we the D we could do a whole show on on the problems on defense. Uh and then you have obviously the offense just look lifeless. So the whole yeah, that's a very good point. And I, I just harken back on this. If we look big picture, we brought in Mike McCarthy, who's better than Jason Garrett. I will give him that. Not saying much, but better. He was brought in to get us over the playoff hump. Has he done it? No. So we know that answer. It's been three years, and you fired the mouth-breathing bastard son of Jason Garrett and said, fire me, I'm doing it my way. Bet. All right. And here we are. And it didn't work. Mike, you made this mess. You got to live in this mess now, and I'm sorry, but I don't know how you run that back. You, you it looked, you can't. It's it's dead. It's over. This relationship is gone, and everything you said about modern offenses, spot on. And I look at what Dan Quinn and Mike McCarthy. How do they respond when they are playing people from the Kyle, especially the Kyle? Shanahan tree, oh God, which true. relies on motion and it relies on deception. It relies on keeping you on your toes, constantly adapting, and they look like dinosaurs. And at the end of the day, I hope Jerry Jones realizes that, God willing, retreads aren't your answer. I don't want Bill Belichick. I don't want 1995 dial up coaches. I want legit 2024 modern NFL coaches. Look at the Eagles, the exact same thing. They got rid of their modernness, and they looked like they were back in the, pre, the prehistoric age. You can't do it. What it's if, just what, inexcusable. So so I agree. I, I want a modern guy, but I told you guys yesterday, I'm, I'm fighting. I'm kind of on the fence because of what this, this, this franchise needs from a culture standpoint, right? So let me just let me just play devil's advocate real quick. I definitely want a modern Absolutely. guy. Absolutely. Definitely do. But what if that culture type of uh coach, whether whether it's Bill, right? Vrabel, I think is a guy like that. I think Harbaugh is a guy like that. What if what if one of those guys employs as a coordinator one of those would you be interested in that? Because I do think there is something to Lacking the toughness, being mm-hmm. unprepared, and not adjusting, and, and and these type of things that I don't know would be the case with more of a discipline. I, I know this sounds so old school, 
disciplinarian. Like, right? it, it, they don't relate to the young Absolutely. bucks. I get it, right? But we talk about this a lot. Me and B Bird. Sometimes confrontation can be good, right? And, and, and sometimes mm-hmm. when you're an authority figure, I hate to say it, there has to be a little bit of fear, right? The Absolutely. reason why you're hearing these coaches come out, or sorry, players come out and advocate for Mike. They love Mike. See, this isn't a, this isn't a player not hating Mike McCarthy. They don't hate Mike. Oh, no, 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 no. They love Mike because Mike is a player's coach. Mike is going to do things and make the players feel good, feel fuzzy, feel warm. Oh, we don't got to practice Saturday. Oh, we can take the, this day off. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, my office is open, man. What You know, and part of that, there's some good to it. The other part, there's some, hey, man, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and uh, post this this party. I'm going to be doing, you know, a victory party. A what? A victory? We didn't win. We didn't even play yet, right? So there's yeah. kind of this looseness that's not there. And that's just a just a poor example. But that's an example, right? So I do think yeah. there's something to ha- finding a balance. Uh, would you be swayed if if you can get a kind of one of those Vrabel types with a modern call, play caller? Would I be swayed? I- I'm willing to compromise, but my only pushback is this. If you look at the reasons why for instance, the two gentlemen you brought up, Mike yeah. Vrabel and Bill Belichick. Big reason why they left was because one Vrabel apparently had issues with the general manager. As uh, he ran, should. Uh, As he should. I bro. agree. <laughs> I agree. And if you look at Bill Belichick, I don't want to say there's bad blood between him and Robert Kraft, but sometimes relationships just need to end. Dude, it was twenty. I look years. at those Time two. Would I think they'd be helpful in Dallas on the field? Yes. Would our Jones family want that, though, pushing back against them, too, to get their toughness up? Hell no. And that is where we run into this dilemma. It's like, yeah, but. And that's another caveat to that is when you get those types of coaches and you have those young offensive minds, you need to cash in immediately. So you can't be a draft and develop team. You need to dabble in free agency. You need to be aggressive in, in, in the trade market. You need to think of every single way. That means going down to local high schools and bribing kids to come play on your team. You need to find talent quickly because that man that is that OC that everyone wants, the Shane Steichens, he's gone. So you Bobby need to Slowick, catch in Ben Johnson, right yeah, now. these dudes are probably going to be head coaches, not – you're not getting one of those as coordinators. Yep. You're going to have to get somebody off that tree. Speaking of trees, we were talking about that Shanahan tree. We need to be like that roll damn tide guy, man. We need to go plant some poison in this damn tree because it, it is just <laughs> absolutely killing us, dog. Like, and that's absolutely. that's that's why part of me is saying, man, if you can't beat them, join them. But hey, there's again, there's this, and I'm, I love having this conversation with you. But there's this other side to it. You bring in one of those types. Guess what? They're probably just going to cower down to whatever Jerry and them want, whatever Steven yep. and them want. So mm-hmm. we are in a weird predicament, and I say it all the t- Say it with me, Tom. Say it with me. We're in this predicament Can't where we it. have to overcome this weird-ass structure here in Dallas, man. And, you know, we we get in a rhythm, and we win some games and things like that. And, you, and look, I get excited and things like that, but it's it's always at the end of the day comes back to, as long as we overcome it, it doesn't matter. But nowhere else in the league uh, do you have to, I think, yep. climb a steeper hill uh, than here because of the things you have to overcome in that sense. So 
it's going to be really interesting these next 48 to 72 hours, what they decide to do. Right. I think they absolutely should move on, right? But then mm-hmm. are we bringing in a Kellen Moore type, a Jason Garrett type, or are we going to say, is Jerry going to say, I'm 81, Steven, leave these dudes alone, let Will McClay and, and Harbaugh or whoever it may be, let them do they think? Because look in Detroit, bro. Look in Detroit. They brought in yeah. what's, what's his name? Uh, something Holmes, Brett Holmes. Damn Cam. Oh Br- yeah, Brad Holmes. Well, I can't remember. Apologies to Detroit man because they deserve some praise. The general manager left them alone. Hired Dan Campbell. Left them alone. Changed that culture. Dan Campbell went. He ain't calling no plays. He went and got a play caller in Ben Johnson. Aaron Glenn let him grow. Brad was it Brett Holmes? Brad Holmes. I, I can't remember his name. Let him have fantastic mm-hmm. drafts. I mean, these drafts the last three years have been off the charts and went out in the free agency, right? So, is he going to say I'm 81? I'm Steven step back, I'm stepping back. Let these guys work. I I I doubt that, right? I doubt that. So, the current talent or current coach you're going to have to overcome that and I feel like a broken record, Tom, because the coach is going to have to overcome yep. that and then the players are then having to overcome the coaches and they aren't it's just not happening. It's not happening. But my bad. I mean to talk your ears off, Tom. I appreciate you, though, calling in. You're fine. The last thing I'll say, and this is to everyone in the chat, look at this stuff like your own career and look where you're working right now. Culture matters. Yeah. What the tone at the top and what they allow and don't allow matriculates down to the lowest level employee, and it can be the difference between a Fortune 500 company and a company going out of business. Football's no different, and you can't overcome toxic leadership, and I'm an expert in toxicity. So other than that, y'all have a great day. Don't buy the Jones bullshit until real change is coming, but hit the like button, and thank goodness we got a podcaster like Mr. Skywalker Steele who's bringing in people that aren't just talking heads. Take care, brother. You have a good day. Thank you, man. Toxic time, ladies and gentlemen. Always fantastic. Always fantastic. I don't think we got a chance to rap to him yesterday. Or we may have. I don't. Yesterday was a blur. Uh, you know, running in from Saturday or Sunday to yesterday has been a blur. But appreciate you, man. So, you know, y'all know me. I put it stamped on my forehead. Got to overcome it, whatever. And that really starts with on the field. And I think I said this to Marv yesterday. Well, yeah, coaches got to coach, players got to play. But who, and when they when it doesn't happen, who's hiring those type of guys? But when you go on the field, and I've been talking about this right here. I mean, I'm going to keep on showing this because this is just, I promise y'all, go back and watch how the Packers opened up and watch how the Cowboys opened up. You, what, the, what the fuck was that? But anyway, we often talk about the details of things, and and that's something that let me pull this up. Former NFL quarterback, Hall of Famer Kurt Warner talks about a whole lot, and what he does. He talks about details of the game, and I want to bring up here. I, I mash these videos together, okay? That's why it's going to be a little long, but I think it's important. This is why. For me, I'm always saying I'm always learning about the game. I love listening to people, the, the Philip Tanners of the world, uh, Jesse Hollies, Kurt Warner's. I don't care if you're a backup. I don't care if you're a Hall of Famer. 
there's something that I'm going to learn about the game because I didn't play it at a professional level, right? Especially if you're a Hall of Famer. And I love listening to these guys because I'm learning lingo. I'm learning nuances. And, and somebody had, had posted, uh, I think, under one of the comments, you know, social media has killed nuance 100%. Uh, you know, I do this show. I have the live chat. Probably half of y'all only really care about nuance. Half of y'all, the other half doesn't, they don't care. It, what's the end result? I don't care how we got there. I don't care about nuance or whatever. But one thing I always say about me is I can't fake the funk. I love the details of the game. I love the small little things. I love the, the build up the process to get where you have to go because those small things add up to a big deal, right? And it could result in a, a great result. Um, so there's half of the fan base gives no care in the world <laughs> about nuance and half of that fan base I call that's usually the casual side which are important you need casual fans right that, that's that's no knock but when the casual fans then try to interject into the nuance of the game they're completely miss they're, they're missing the points of many things so I, I try to bring a a good dose of both of those when I can or if I can and I try to continue to learn Kurt Warner, I talked about, and I brought this up earlier in the season, a Kurt Warner video about, you know, the West Coast offense and some of the double slants and triple slants or triple in routes. And he, he talked about one of the interceptions and the, on the triple in route. And he broke it down in detail. And I'm like, man, this is almost the same thing uh, that we saw earlier in the year. And he used an example of the Bengals. This time he's going to use the Packers as an example. So I'm going to play this video. Uh, Kurt Warner is going to go into grave detail about the, I think it was the second interception. Then he's going to show how it actually should have been ran and read um, from a Packers side. So he's going to talk about the quarterback progression. He's going to talk about the details uh, of said progression, the release, and just so many small little things we just aren't thinking about or caring about during the game. And a lot, like I said, half the fan base after the game. I think it is important and pretty cool. to, to witness. So here is Kurt Warner breaking down. I think it was a second interception uh, in this game, Cowboys Nation. All right, let's jump into the second interception. Because uh, again, to me, so many details involved here. Okay. And so what you're going to see on this play is Dallas is really just going to run a triple slant up here slant, slant, and then an under, a little more delayed. Uh, kind of slant on the top okay so let me let it play out here and you see it there it is triple slant okay and then the interception okay so to me lots of different factors that play into this the first thing I'm always going to say is I will never understand why a team asks a quarterback to make a play fake on a quick throw okay quick throw has timing needs to get out fast so right here they ask Dak to give a little bit of a play fake Okay, never want to play fake on a quick, my personal opinion, uh, because I want the ball out on time. And anything that delays me being able to get the ball out on time is my first issue. So a play fake, which to me, he can't get the ball out on time, can't be set on time with the play fake. I just want to pause that there. That's something I just wasn't thinking about, right? And again, when he goes to the to the Packers side of things, you'll see how they did it, and they don't run the play fake. But just something that small can make a massive difference, and obviously it made a massive difference in the result. 
But I just didn't think, man, why, why the play fake, especially when who, who are you really bringing in here? There's, there's nobody in the middle of the field. You're trying to clear. There's clearly already open here. So very interesting point. Okay, the other thing I don't understand is why do you have your back to the strong side? Now, I, I understand he crosses over and ends up going to the weak side. But when I've got quick slants going to this side, A, it happens quick. And so B, if I put a fourth receiver over to that side, all it's naturally going to do is bring another defender or possibly bring another defender. Here, they actually don't really bring another defender to that side when they bring pressure and you see that they're fine numbers-wise. But just in general, putting a fourth receiver back to that side is going to bring an extra defender to that side, and I'm bringing everybody inside anyway, so why would I want the, the back to be front side? Again, I'm sure there's an answer out there. I just want to hear it. So if anybody's got it, let me know. Uh, I want to understand it. Now, putting him over there on a deeper route, no problem, because he's going to cross over and we're going to be able to use it in a certain way. But I don't understand why on this particular play we're doing that. Okay, so now into the triple slants. Okay, so first thing we see is Green Bay is going to bring pressure. Dallas does a great job of picking up the pressure over to that side. So you're not really in a hot situation front side. Okay, so that's uh first part, which is good that you're not having to throw it hot. But... I don't know if you guys remember the video that I did earlier in the year, and it wasn't on a triple slant. It was on a double slant combination. That's crazy because I, I, I forgot he even said this in the video, but that's what I was talking about where he was referring to, I think, the San Fran game, and then he showed the Bengals. But one of my biggest arguments was when you have both slants break at the same depth, it's really hard for a quarterback because it's hard to get a read when the timing of both plays is exactly the same. Or when the inside slant that's supposed to influence somebody is running in the same timing that you have to throw the next slant, it's really hard to read. So first thing I want you guys to see is right here, both guys are breaking at exactly the same depth once again. To me, doesn't make sense. I want my inside slant always going quicker than my next slant. So I get a chance as a quarterback to actually read what this guy does. If I have to throw both of these in the same timing, they're both happening at the same time, I'm inevitably going to be late to the outside slant if I'm reading it. So right here, you see it. Boom, both of them are breaking inside at the exact same depth. So now, timing inside, timing outside are exactly the same. And look how many steps C.D. Lamb gets into his slant. One, two, three, four, before the ball is going to get to him can't have it. To me, on a slant, it's got to be out as they're breaking, so the ball's in his hands before he's taken three or four steps out of it, okay? So to me, it's it's not even as much about C.D. Lamb here as it is Brandon Cooks. So what I would want is I would want Brandon Cooks to take one step and then come inside right now. Get inside this defender, so Packers are dropping this defender down, Savage down, into a zone dog, and so we need to cross his face as fast as possible. So when we cross his face, now he's got to make a decision. So when he makes that decision, now as a quarterback, I can throw it. Now, the first thing I'm always thinking here, because they bring pressure and they drop this guy down, is there's a soft window in there, almost like a hot situation. So even though it's not hot, I, I have everything protected. Uh that's the soft part of the zone. So I want to almost treat it like a hot. And I, I'm probably going to throw this inside slant. This guy dropping down, that's the gimme throw. But because everything and the timing is all the same, Dak gets the read that 
he wants. This guy steps inside. Savage steps inside, and he should be able to hit this second slant here. But the problem to me is when he hits it. Boom, ball's out, and if C.D. Lamb takes another two steps and we get this read, the ball's going to be out in that first window right there. That's where the ball needs to be thrown on double slant. Right now, if he gets this read, this guy's inside the hash. Ball needs to be on C.D. Lamb as he's breaking out of his slant. Whether it's C.D., whether it's Brandon, something's wrong timing-wise here. So they both come out of it. And so this guy is really technically able to, if you watch Savage, he plays the inside one because he steps inside. He's inside Brandon Cooks right here. If I'm set and ready to throw it, this ball's coming out to number two. And Savage doesn't have the ability to play both of these guys. So to me, lots of different issues. The play fake makes Dak slow. The timing of the two slants is exactly the same, which again gives us problems to be able to read and decipher. Is the inside guy open? If not, then uh, I, I get the second guy. Um, but everything happened at the same time. It makes a quarterback panic because I'm He's, he's late to everything, and, he, and he's forcing things instead of being able to understand what exactly the defense is doing. Brandon Cooks could have helped by getting inside sooner. And Dak come back, go, I'm going to take this one inside because they're bringing pressure. I'm going to take it unless this guy jumps it hard. Then I can get to the one outside of it. But when you're making a play fake and then you have to read it all and get it out on time, it leads to exactly what we see here in a pick six. Details, details, details. We're going to get into the second one here in a second. But, you know, just thinking about some of the things he was saying, again, the whole play action thing didn't really, come on, go back, go back, register in my head that it's not about trying to, you know, get a defender to to react, but also the mechanics and the, the speed of the process. Because if there's no play action, maybe you can throw it here. So there's like a triple barrel of, of issues. You got the, obviously, the design. Then Dak has to get to it late. And he, dude, he doesn't have some freaking freaky, quick, ridiculous release. <laughs> That's not his game. And so it's, it's then goes down to, all right, so if I don't have that quick release, then let me throw it here to uh, Brandon Cooks. But as coach, because he is a coach, Kurt Warner said, well, I got the read I want. He steps inside. I'm going to hit C.D. Lamb. The problem is I'm still in my windup because I faked it. But here's the Packers version of it. And, and the details, and I hate to go back and give Aaron Rodgers credit on this, but Aaron did talk about some of the, the details that he was pissed off about uh, in regards to the scheme. But here's the Packers version of it. Take a look at this. One more short video relating to the Dallas Cowboy video I just showed on the triple slant, the interception from the playoff game. Um, and so now I'm going to show you how I would do it and why, to me, this makes a huge difference, okay? So this is the Packers. First thing, it's already harder because the ball's in the middle of the field as opposed to the backside hash. So it already limits the space down there, making it tighter between those two slants anyways. But you remember when I was talking about the Cowboys, and the biggest thing was the difference between these two slant routes, okay? You want them at different depths. You want them at different timing. So quarterback has the ability to be on time to both of them and also has the ability to read the defender uh, and still get the ball out on time, which Dak was not able to do because of the play fake, because of the depth of the routes, all of those different things, okay? So right here, Jaden Reed is the inside guy. And look at him. Already yeah. within the first one step, his head is back at the quarterback. It's a one-step slant. He's attacking inside leverage of this defender, and he's ready for the football. So that is Jordan Reed's first read. I'm reading this defender. If he holds it all, I can put the ball right on my receiver because he's already looking. 
But by going there right now, it commits this defender to him that this defender has to come down and get inside of him and make a move this direction if he's going to stop him. He's not pushing up the field where this guy can hold there and still play the outside one. He's got to go cover it. Plus, my receiver is ready and available for the catch right there. Okay, so that's the first thing. He's already into a slant right now. The number two slant is obviously pushing up into his, and there's a timing discrepancy between the two, which is exactly what you want. So if we go back and play a little bit, what he's basically stating is Cooks, if you're Jaden Reed for the Packers, is already looking. There's nothing he's not looking here, right? So we're we're basically breaking at the same time. In regards to the Packers, Jaden Reed was already looking at the play. Out on time, which Dak was not able to do because of the play fake, because of the depth of the routes. Because he's already looking. But by going there right now, it commits this defender to him that this defender has to come down and get inside of him and make a move this direction if he's going to stop him. He's not pushing up the field where this guy can hold there and still play the outside one. He's got to go cover it. Plus, my receiver is ready and available for the catch right there. Okay, so that's the first thing. He's already into a slant right now. The number two slant is obviously pushing up into his, and there's a timing discrepancy between the two, which is exactly what you want. Okay, so now we get our read here, and we get this commitment, and I want you to watch now the number two slant. That's Wicks right there, I believe. Watch his patience. Look at his patience, pushing up, pushing up. Now he's out of it, and look how quickly the ball gets on top of the receiver. Boom, right there, ball's out of the quarterback's hands, already into the hands of the receiver in the window. We want it in this window, not back the same window that we're attacking with the inside slant. So the difference in timing, the patience by Wicks, to let the inside guy clear out for him. And that's another big part of it. Understand what we're trying to do on the play. Understand this guy is opening up for you. You're our main receiver. We want him to clear the inside guy out and get you the football. So be patient and let that guy do his job. Clear it out. Be patient so you can allow the quarterback to be on time and not have any issues and get you the football. And together with all of those different factors, you see how much easier this is and how much more efficient this is for the Packers, even with less space, works out perfectly, get themselves in the end zone. Man, man, just just fantastic details that you just don't really, I mean, I personally at the time I'm not thinking about something like as simple as, hey, we're going to line up this running back on the opposite side. We're not going to play. Even if you put him over there, just, there's no need to, to do a play action fake, right? And then when you go take a look at how we ran it here, we got the running back here, and we have the fake. Let me see where you're... Okay, yeah. Run to the fake, because I don't have the actual... There we go. Yeah, so we're actually doing the fake. So as they're going in their route, Dak is pulling the ball out, and now he's having to wind up in his mechanics. It's just something as simple as, hey, no play action. Just drop back. And we've seen it. I've seen them do this. Now, it's usually out of like a four strong, and I'm going to bring you guys back here. It's usually out of like a four strong or or... My bad with the double music. Sometimes, a you know, they'll triple or they'll do three. You got three by one and half CD by itself. I've seen them execute the double slant. I've seen that too. But usually, Dak is just one step and he's firing it out in CD Lamb. In fact, I think they did it against, 
I should have brought that that play up. They did it against the uh, pack or the uh, Washington Football People. It's just one step and it's fire. There's no play action. There's nothing. One step, fire. Something as small as that. And then at that point in time in the game, I think towards the end of the half, we were already running a bunch of in breaking routes, short stuff. We they they were playing over top, or we weren't doing any type of concepts to get deep. So we were running everything, and we're just throwing to that part of the field. I mean, there was a couple. I mean, hell of throws or whatever, great catches. But, hey, we had to fit a whole bunch of stuff in tight windows down the middle of the field. So guess what I'm going to do as a, def a defender? Especially if I'm looking on the sideline, I got my pad and whatnot. Oh, these boys are thrown in the middle of the field. Obviously, you study film as well. You see where Brandon Cooks is lined up on the inside and, and, and there's CeeDee Lamb on the outside. The, there's a high chance there's going to be a double slant. So Savage can just now sit on that. And he was able to do it. And fantastic play by him. Um, interception pick six so that's just one uh, play of, of just details in the scheme and again stagnant no motion you didn't get a chance to move like maybe if you do a pop motion or something you, you get somebody just one second and I go back and I just see how we come out and it continued and I look at everybody else This is one of the main reasons why I don't care where the domino falls after. You absolutely have to go out and get somebody that is from this modern tree. Because I don't know if it was a caller. I think it was a caller. We were talking about, hey, my thing was if you if you get to the game, one of my Cowboys win if they bring the here-we-go offense, and we know what comes with the here-we-go. There's pre-snap motion. There's the play action. There's moving the pockets and things like that. I just expected that to happen, right? But here's the problem, especially when you go on the road. We're not always sure. We're not always, we're not 100% sure we're going to get that particular offense. We hope. We hope the Cowboys will bring that. We hope the Cowboys will do those things. But we're not 100% sure. You know who is sure no matter where they go, no matter when. You're going to get motion. You're going to get play action. You're going to get under center. You're going to get pot. Shanahan, McVay, LaFleur, McDaniels, Ben Johnson, uh, Todd Munkin. Uh, all these offenses are, I, th I think I already said LaFleur, Bobby Slowick. It doesn't matter. We don't have to be like, Hey man, as long as we bring the here we go offense, as long as we as long as we do it works. What do you mean as long? Yeah, as long as we do that, because we don't normally do it wherever we go. I expected that to happen at the crib. It did not happen. And Lewis Riddick had a tweet that was very very interesting. Lewis Riddick said. When you build your team so you have to play a very specific style of game in order to have success and you're not able to be multiple and able to adjust based on opponent, game flow, location, weather, etc. He says that's not just a quarterback discussion. That is a team building discussion, a philosophical football discussion that starts at the very top. Well, Lewis, we've been all talking about the very top for decades. And then somebody said, well, if you're talking about Miami, yada, yada, yada. And Lewis said, man, I ain't talking about Miami. 
I was talking about team construction. I was talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Folks, we can we can swap out all the players. I mean, we've done that for 28 years. One of the main, and I feel like I'm talking myself into this. I haven't even really broken it all down. I, I'm just thinking it's kind of it's kind of common sense, but there's a struggle with it. And I just we we just want me and me and Toxic Tom just went back and forth. But when you when you see that, when you look at details, when you see how the Cowboys come out in a game like this, when you know it's still a country club atmosphere. How can I not want someone to come in and tighten that up? Much as I love Bobby Slowick and I love Ben Johnson and, and, and Todd Munkins or whoever, right? These, these, these up-and-coming coordinators that do all this modern stuff. There's also part of me that believes that the Joneses will, will rule with an iron fist on these guys. Yeah, we'll have this fun little offense. Maybe, hopefully, I don't know, because they like to interject themselves. But the country club type stuff is still there. So, you know, I, like I said, I've been in the middle of this, This if, if they fire Mike, but I've been in the middle. But I think if you said, well, where are you leaning? Scott? I think I'm leaning towards, y'all can call them dinosaurs. This is crazy. I just said I don't want a dinosaur. I don't want a dinosaur to run everything, if that makes sense, right? Like, if you bring in a Bill or a Harbaugh or a, or a... I ain't calling Harbaugh a dinosaur. Or a um, Rabel. I don't like to call him a dinosaur. I'm not saying, hey, these dudes control drafting. They're going to call their own plays. No, 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 no. My alternative to that would be bring in a, a brighter mind, a more modern mind as the said coordinator, specifically offense, Right? Because if you bring in Bill or Mike Vrabel, they got the defense on a lock, right? Like they're they're going to give you, and that's look. You want to talk about defense? We ain't really broke down the defense. We kind of been teasing it throughout the the season. Where hey, Dan Quinn, just get through these playoffs, have a good you know farewell. We need to bring back in a real defense, not this gimmicky ass big nickel thing. The defense is going to have real linebackers, going to have real schemes and things like that. Bill and Mike Vrabel will do that. Bill and Mike Vrabel care about the, the linebacker position. They care about the toughness. They care about being physical. Um, they care about being able to stop the run to earn a right to rush the pass. So they care about all those things. I think what, what makes people nervous about, and I'll just say Bill, is people think, oh, he's not going to relate and all this stuff. Hey, y'all. And again, bro, we just talking right now. I don't give a f about that no more. I, I mean, I'm not saying I, I, I don't care, man. You know what he's going to do when he gets here? He gonna, he's going to demand respect. It's going to instill a little bit of fear. People in that locker room will be like, hey, man, shit. I, I can't let Bill down. And and, and, I, and look, I'm using Bill because he's like the main guy. But Boy ain't with that BS. Harbaugh ain't with it either. I, I don't know about this Mike Mc, McDonald uh, guy. I know him from a uh, production standpoint in Baltimore, from a, you know, he's younger, great defense, things like that. I, I just don't know what his persona is like. 
And you think, let me ask y'all something. You think you're going to have to deal with any of this? If any of them came in here? In a playoff game? Now, there is the other aspect, right? The front office. Like, they are they willing to say, y'all do y'all thing, right? I'm, I'm speaking like, I'm, I'm just assuming that they bring them in here, hey, Steven and Jerry backing the hell off. We know that's probably not going to happen. So let's, we just having fun with this conversation because I don't think they're going to do that. But I'm talking myself into this. You won't lack details. Mm -mm. You won't come out like this. Mm -mm. You'll be accountable. There'll be a little bit of fear. Won't be posting about victory parties. Won't be thinking about Cabo. I don't know, man. I'm just talking to y'all. Still venting, bro. We, we we still in that venting stage. I ain't ready to turn the page in regards to, you know. Dra I shout out to my my bro Foots and we'll have them on here, talking draft and Vosh. They all they in the draft bag right now. I'll get there. I, I I'm always a little later to that because we we're going to review each uh, position and, and units and and we always do our hindsight 2020 series. Dang, I've been doing that for four about to be four years. So it'll be hindsight 2024 or 2023. Yeah, hindsight 2023, whatever it's going to be. We're going to break down each position. And, and with that, we look at the production, their, their season, and then moving forward. So that's what we're going to do. But, man, the more I talk to y'all, the more I am just, just let this thing simmer. It bugged me how we came out, and I, I didn't see it across the league. No other team came out, came out like that. Not one. Our team just looked lifeless. And where do I center my my attention to? That that comes back to coaching to me. All right. Coach is a problem. Now, well, well 88, 4, 20, 87, 3. Y'all boys need to, your coaches ain't got it today. Y'all boys need to do something. They ain't got it either. All right. Well, what can we lean on? What can we say? Hey man, we gotta get out of this rut. We're not, and nobody's feeling it right now. We can, you don't really got an identity. We're not coming out with an identity. We're, we're not doing the things that we do that usually gets us out of this. Just one of the strangest playoff games, most definitely the most embarrassing playoff games that I've ever seen from the Cowboys, and, and that's why I think changes need to be on the horizon, one hundred percent. And the first domino has to be Mike, and then whoever you bring in, it'll be up to them to see what they decide to do. Uh, with some other players. Um, I think it was B. Burr who said, you can salvage. You can't change every player, right? You can salvage a bunch of these players, but I think number one on the agenda is, I hate to keep saying it, man, but but you are going to have to establish some sort of culture in here or no matter how many players you continue to swap in and out, the same issue is going to continue to happen. And we're going to be begging our players to overcome coaching. Or we're going to be begging our coaches to overcome the front office, et cetera, et cetera. That's just the continuous loop. continuously all right man i saw a super check swing through here let me see
think I missed one on the way out. Oh, it's Chris. Super chat. Appreciate you, Chris. Chris said, uh, he dropped two and said, Belichick's former players love him. Yeah, you, you get mixed. You get mixed. I don't know. I don't know if it's mixed, but you hear some people, hey, man, we'll do this and that over there. You can't do this and that. But you, you don't really. How many players have come out and said what Aaron Rodgers said about McCarthy, but Aaron Rodgers. Look, Chris, I don't care about that no more, man. This ain't this ain't you, but now I think about it, I'm talking out, talking this out, which I don't care if players love McCarthy. I don't care, bro. I don't care. Players love McCarthy. They don't want him to go. They don't want him to go. You might need somebody to rule the iron fist. And like I said this before, I said this yesterday, I've been saying it for the last couple seasons. The two coaches that ruled that way and instilled a little bit of fear. Granted, these are different eras of football. <laughs> Jimmy Johnson, Bill Parcells. They come from a different era. I get it. But what I'm getting at is they help change the direction of your franchise, even in the, the the early 2000s, coming off the three straight Dave Campo years, and Dave Campo, what the hell was he even doing being a coach, right? Bill gets in there, he changes everything around, and he grows the franchise to be uh, what it is in the Romo era. The way Phillips, then, then Jason, no, 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 no. Give me another one of those guys that's going to adhere to what I Wade Phillips. Then followed up Jason Garrett. Followed it up Mike McCarthy. Successful franchise is not doing that, man. We'll see. The first domino will have to fall, man. The first domino will have to fall. All right, Cowboys Nation. Uh, I am back on Vach's show later today. Uh, yesterday, I yesterday wasn't there. Today, I should be there. So we'll be talking more about this. Excuse me. And Mo will be on later. I think Okoye, let me go see. I think Okoye might still be live. I noticed Okoye was on. And um, if he is, we're going to go ahead and go over there and raid him. Yep. Go over there and raid the brother Okoye. He's doing a film session right now. Let me see. Let me see. Yes, he's doing a film session right now. Um, and it says Cowboys defense devolved in front of the world is Dan Quinn to blame. Uh, make sure I go over there. Boom. My bad. Here we go. Let's go raid Okoye. And then maybe tomorrow we'll get Okoye on. It's Okoye Wednesdays, but we ain't fortunately not breaking down no, no, uh, no film for the opposing team. But we'll talk more about this after reviewing the film and whatnot. Then Thursday, we still got Pat coming on. So we still got we still got a good week ahead of us, Cowboys Nation. All right. With that said, all right, I'm a president. Push the goddamn button. Push the goddamn button. Head on over to my guy Okoye Media. One more. Bing bow. Continue to spam on your way out. Oh, if you enjoyed the show, obviously hit the like button too. Met a couple Cowboy fans yesterday when I was out. I said, "Hey man, come through." I know it's tough, but it's Cowboys therapy every day. We out there. Love y'all. Peace.
Head on over and raid Okoye, y'all.